Welcome to College Street Victory Church. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. Make some noise. Why don't you turn to at least one person and say, you made it. And then let them know I know. (laughs) And I look good doing it. Come on. What a bunch of good looking people in the house of the Lord today. If you're joining us for the first time ever, welcome home. We're so pumped that you're here. You might think it's by coincidence. Maybe somebody bribed you to get here. But you know what? God had a plan and he's got something good for you. Guaranteed. Wow. It's been a good ride so far in this relationship series, hasn't it? Good stuff. I would encourage you to, to take notes. You know, I feel like I got some good stuff to say, but God always has something greater. So get ready. My notes are available to you uh, online. A QR code will show up, but you can also feel free to use the little paper in front of you with a pen. Let's talk. Let's be real. Is that all right? Man, if you can't come to church and be real, what are we doing here? I don't know if you've ever struggled with um, committing to something or someone else that doesn't seem to be all in. Come on. <laughs> now, sometimes my kids don't seem to be all in when it comes to chores around the house. But that doesn't change the fact that I made them, with the help of Charmaine, of course. And they're still a part of this family. <laughs> Come on. You know, when uh, maybe you've, you've gotten past the honeymoon stage of anything and it can seem to lose its passion and it feels more like practice and less like passion. Uh, Maybe, again, it's because we lack context. The context of the conflict when it comes to covenant. Okay? The word passion derives from the Latin word passio, which is first introduced in the Latin Bible. and appears in 2nd century AD to describe Christ's suffering on the cross for our sins. So when we think the word passion, we don't really think the word suffering, do we? It's what are you willing to suffer through or suffer to for something that is greater than just what you see on the surface? Come on. You know, how many interns in the house are taking our internship courses right now? Well, in the leadership class, we learned that the origin of the word leader means what? Go forth and die. Nobody preaches on that, right? Who'd want to lead if that's the, the word leader means to go forth and die? It's laying down your life for the sake of others. You know, we're ta- taught in, in the scripture that we are to live our life as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto the Lord, and that is our true and proper worship. Much like in our relationships, whether it's with friends, with a spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, come on. It's putting others above ourselves. It's willing to suffer through what it is that God is calling us to. So again, when we think covenant, we don't think conflict. Well, maybe not all of us do. The reality is that Christ went through a lot of conflict to fulfill the covenant. The covenant that he had made with his father for you and I so that we could have a relationship that is restored so that we could live life and live life more abundantly. Hebrews 12.2 tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, 
scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand and throne of God. If you're not sure where God's place is, that's where it is. Above all. And so far we talked about alignment. We talked about boundaries in our relationship. And if you didn't catch those messages, I'd really encourage you to go on YouTube and watch it, just not right now. Okay, Kelsey? Not right now. Tell John, not right now. Not now, John. So in the introduction, I shared with you what it means to be all in in our relationships. We went through the book of Luke, and Luke, by the way, was a physician. He was a doctor, so he's worth listening to. And he shared the story that Jesus tells of the Good Samaritan. And how before that, an expert in the biblical law comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know how Jesus responded? He says, what does the word say? Come on. And how do you read it? (laughs) I think that's really good. I mean, like, we need to do less worrying and more going to the word, right? What does the word say about your situation? And how do you read it? It says, I'm the head, not the tail. It says that all things work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. For his plans are to prosper me, not to harm me, to give me a hope and a future. For he is able to do above and beyond all that I can hope, imagine, or dream of. Thank God for his word. That applies to your relationships. How do you read it? And the expert answered this. Love the Lord your God with all, say all. All your heart with, say all. With all your soul, say all all your strength with all your mind and oh love go I thought I got you there is it behind me oh it is and love love your neighbor as yourself that's a hard that's a hard one isn't it some of us have a hard time time just loving ourselves but God if God's going to teach you and show you anything that today that is that you're loved we learned the importance of alignment when, and how alignment can actually affect our attitude and our assignment. One of those areas that some of us need to work on, not maybe not all of us, Pastor Charmaine, you're perfect, um, is our emotions, especially when it comes to anger. We learned that, a- that anger is actually the enemy of alignment. You wanna throw yourself off, just get angry. We looked into the story of, of Jonah and how his anger actually took him in the opposite direction of where God was calling him. Come on, so if it can happen to Jonah, it can happen to you. He was a prophet of God. And not only did it take him in the opposite direction of where God wanted him to be because he didn't want to be there, it also could have affected the lives of 120,000 plus people. That's like the whole Fraser Valley. And the animals. If you read the Bible, the animals were part of that too. They were important. And animals are important to God because he created them. And we came to the conclusion that if we are looking for mercy, oh, I got that wrong. If we're looking for meaning, we should start with mercy. Someone say, have mercy. Okay, I still got you. Sometimes we're looking for the meaning in our relationship. We're looking for the reason. And instead, God wants to give you something deeper, and that is a revelation. You say, you're looking for meaning right now, trying to figure this all out. Why don't you show mercy? 
We learned that the Hebrew word for mercy is raham. In the plural, the word means womb, a connection um, uh, that, that a woman would have with the baby inside of her womb. We also learned that it means loyal love of covenant and later exclusively God's mercy and the forgiveness of sins. Wow. That's what mercy means. I gave you guys uh, four benefits to aligning with God and others in your relationship. I don't know if you remember any of them, any keeners in the house. But the first one was peace, peace of mind. Oh, Krista has it. Peace of mind, blessing and increase, and joy seeing lives changed. And finally, securing all in. Someone say all in. All in destiny for future generations. Not just you, but your kids, kids, kids. It's the importance of being in line with God. And I also said, if you happen to be slightly out of line, don't worry, you can make adjustments. And the three things I gave you were this. Ask, ask God before you argue. (laughs) Come on, that's a tough one. The second was this, attack the problem, not the person. Oh, can I look like you're going to say the person? Mm-mm. Nope. Attack the problem, not the person. And finally, realign with reconciliation. Whew. That one's tough. Then Pastor Charmaine brought it last week, didn't she? Whoa. It's always a tough act to follow, but she makes me look good because she's my wife. And she challenged us on boundaries. She reminded us that where there is dysfunction, there is chaos. And that's where we find ourselves out of bounds. Boundaries can, at times, feel like a punishment, right? Or they can feel like there's been a limitation put on us. Hey, Tracy. We also learned this, that we are called to love everyone, but we're not called to let everyone in. I think that set a whole bunch of us free. We went through Genesis 1, and we saw how God himself set boundaries from the very beginning when he created the heavens and the earth. God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. From the beginning, God gave men and women responsibilities with boundaries. Why? So that they could fulfill the plans, the purposes, even the pleasures that God had for them in life. And see, but then there's choice because we all have choice. Isn't that true? We all have the freedom of choice to choose our own will. Instead of God, sometimes we welcome in chaos. That of God's plans, we welcome in chaos. And Pastor Charmaine challenged us when it comes to boundaries to know thyself. It's a good place to start. If you don't know who you are, and if you don't know that you were created in the very image of God, then maybe you're copying something else and you're a poor reflection of who you should actually be. It all comes back to your identity. Number two, avoid extremes. Three, fight for your relationships. 
She reminded us that sometimes we're fighting the very one we should be fighting for. Come on. And number four, keep your eyes on Jesus. <laughs> Come on. You still with me? It's a good review? Okay. So today it's about covenant. Say covenant. Mm -hmm. So what does all in covenant look like in our relationships when it comes to God and when it comes to others? Well, we know that covenant is an agreement between God and between his people in which God makes promises to his people and, and usually requires certain conduct from us. God sets specific conditions and he promises to bless us if we obey the conditions. Making and keeping the covenant qualifies us to receive the blessing that God has, his promises that he has for us. But when we choose not to keep the covenants, we can't receive the blessing. I feel like this is a good parenting series here too, just saying. <laughs> You know, I, I, I get to be a, a part of a, officiating many weddings, especially in the summer and the fall. I don't know why more people don't get married in the winter. It'd be a lot cheaper. So ironically, I'll be doing a wedding tonight. Donna and Vince, come on in the third row. Let's give it up for Donna and Vince. We didn't even plan this, did we? I told them, dude, you want me to do your wedding? And, and I'm talking about covenant. This is great. Let's just do it. Yeah, it'll be perfect. So yeah, some of us are going to be there. But when a couple says, I do, what they're doing is they're making a covenant. They're making a promise between each other and also with God and how they're going to serve and, and love one another for, for their whole lives until death do us part. But the truth is that covenant really isn't covenant until it is tested. Now, I know there's many of us that have had uh, some not so good experiences when it comes to relationship, when it comes to covenants, and when it comes to marriage. My goal is to not get you to look back. My goal is to get you to look forward to God's promises for you and for your life, okay? And maybe also look a little bit inward because ultimately God is after your heart. I'm going to be clear as a disclaimer. This is not a message of condemnation. Maybe conviction, but not condemnation. This is a message of hope. This is a message of love. All right, you with me? Okay, so you're looking forward? Okay. But what's a covenant without a challenge, without a conflict, and without commitment? Okay? Again, Pastor Charmaine talked about boundaries last week and how boundaries are not walls to keep people out, but they are a filter in what and who you let in. Oh, that's good. Because we know we're supposed to guard our heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else. Someone say above all else. Guard your heart. For everything flows from it. Everything, not some things, not what's convenient. Everything. That's why you got to guard your heart. So again, we're called to love everyone, but we're not called to let everyone in. And I know someone out there, there could be a couple of you, are having a hard time with somebody. And I want to encourage you, don't give up on people, but give people up to God. Don't give up on them. Sometimes the best thing you can do is pray for them, right? But guard your heart. 
You know, the Bible is a, it is a book about relationships. I don't know if you knew that. It's a story about a relationship with a father and son and mankind. The whole thing from beginning to end. And I like to go to the story of Noah. It's found in Genesis. And before I do, you know me, I love to give you a little bit of context. Just a snapshot of Genesis. Because context creates clarity. So that's where you get your notepad out. And maybe you know all this stuff already. But maybe there's something you don't know. Never know. So let's talk about that book. First book of the Bible. Okay, so it's easy to find. The book of Genesis comes from the Hebrew word Rashit. Come on, who wants to learn Hebrew today? Okay, two people do. Sorry for the rest of you. Um, but it's good to know the, the origin of the word, right? Rashit, which means beginning. Sounds like a swear, doesn't it? Rashit. <laughs> I go back to the beginning. The best way to understand the book is to look at its store, to look at it as a whole, okay? So the book is designed into two main parts. The first part, chapters 1 to 11, is God and the world. Chapters 12 to 50 is God and Abraham's family. See, I told you about relationship. And so in the beginning, God takes this dark, watery chaos, and he turns it into this beautiful garden for mankind so that we can flourish. Seven times, someone say seven. Oh, you number people out there. It's my favorite number, actually. Seven different times, God says that all he has made is good. It's good. And this is where humans come into the picture. Adam is the Hebrew word for humanity. Did you know that? It is true. And Eve is the Hebrew word for life. Human life. I could just walk away right now. Good stuff. God creates both of them in his image to project his character and make the world a better place. And we were meant to reflect the creativity of God and the goodness of God. That's our purpose. Come on. Some of you in your relationship don't know the purpose of it. And if you don't know the purpose of something, you'll abuse it. And but they're given choice, right? I mentioned choice. Up to now, God has been defining what is good and what is evil. And they are told not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree represents choice. Will we trust God's definition of good and evil? Or will we seize the opportunity to define good and evil for ourselves? Hmm. This is still going on in the world today, by the way. People are picking their own way instead of staying within the boundaries of God's plans and blessings for their relationships. They're eating the fruit of sin, the desires to call the shots for ourselves. And so what's good for me? What's good for my tribe? Even if it's at the expense of yours. Even to the extremes such as wars. Humans are horrible at defining good and evil. I'll just say that. Without God. Horrible. Just study history. Now, after the fall in, in the garden with Adam and Eve, um, they don't trust each other anymore. Before sin enters in, they, it said they walk naked with no shame. Come on. 
Is there a better picture than that? But as soon as they decided to define good and evil for themselves, they were ashamed and they ran from each other. They hid from each other and they covered themselves. Huh. That still happens in relationships even today. We do the same thing when we break our promises and covenant with each other, right? We feel ashamed. We hide from one another. We're not as open and vulnerable with them anymore. Then there's the story of jealousy between two brothers, Cain and Abel. I don't even want to go there. You know, I heard, I was watching this comedian online, and first of all, he's like, why does everybody paint these pictures of Noah and the ark, you know, like everywhere in nurseries? It's not a great story. <laughs> then you go down the hall, and yeah, honey, I'm working on Cain and Abel right now. <laughs> it's a horrible story. Story of jealousy where one brother kills the other because he's jealous. And, and the whole thing kind of spirals down from there, unfortunately. That's what I love about the Bible. You know, it's full of unperfect people making mistakes. But even in the mess, you can find a message. You can find hope. Come on. Even Jesus' disciples were far from perfect. <laughs> so if he can do it with them, he can do it with me. Right? And they do horrible things. So if you keep continue to read in Genesis, that people are doing horrible things to each other to the point where God decides he's going to wipe them out. And people think of the story of the flood as being as God being angry. But actually, actually, is God being sad? It says it, it says it begins with his sadness and his grief for the state of the world. And out of passion, which we just learned means to suffer. He sacrifices by sending a flood to wash the world clean. But the glimmer of hope is that he chooses Noah and he chooses his whole family to save them on this boat. A boat that Noah must build and God's going to fill with two of every kind of animal. Come on. Oh, that sounds like work. Sounds like a whole lot of mess too. I have, we have, it's enough with our little dog, Lucy, right? That's why we got a small dog. Aiden doesn't know that, but... I didn't want a big dog because big dog, big poop. <laughs> Small dog. Hey, I'm just saying, I can't imagine a, you know, a boat that's, that's almost two football fields full of animals. And anyway, sorry, back on track, Lord. Back to the boat. You know, and I, I don't know what your boat looks like. You know, your boat might be the boundaries of your relationship. And you might have a few holes in it right now. And it might be taking on some water. But moving forward, the construction of that boat must be held to together by covenant. It must be. What else is going to hold you together? So let's, let's dive right in. We're going into Genesis 6. And we're going to start here in uh, verse uh, 5. The title in your Bible probably says the same thing in my Bible. Unless I don't know what Bible you're reading. But it says there is wickedness in the world. Verse 5 says, the Lord saw, <laughs> funny, <laughs> oh, I love it, child laughs all of a sudden, <laughs> the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth and every inclination of thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. But Noah, someone say, but Noah. 
But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, it says in verse eight. So let's talk about that first one. If you're taking notes, write down a conflict. Someone say a conflict. Conflict. There was a, an, a, a covenant established between God and man from the very beginning. And we're blessed with everything, but we chose to break the covenant because of our own selfish desires and wanting to do things our way instead of his way. And that is a common tension in all relationships, is it not? Wanting to be in control and putting our wants above God's wants. The conflict can only be resolved by obeying God's commands, submitting to God's plans and his ways instead of our own. But here's the thing that conflicts can also do. A conflict can birth a new covenant. Come on. I said to the men this morning, I said, hey, look at the, the, the whole project of the boat came from a problem. God might be building and doing something new in you and wants to do a new covenant with you because what you're, what you're in right now is not working right now. You know what I'm saying? We're so caught up in the mess and you miss what God has already done for you and what he's called you to. And you might just, you might just be building a business, but everything you're doing is affecting your relationships. So God's covenants, they can provide us with a way out of our sin. But let us not forget, there's also consequences to breaking covenants. Isn't that true? Even though the grace of God is, is, and his forgiveness for sins is always on us. You know, Paul said, well, what do we do? Do we just continue to keep on sinning then? More grace. No, absolutely not. <laughs> right? In 1 John 1, 8 to 9, it says, if we claim to be without sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from, say, all, all unrighteousness. That's what I love about God. He always had a plan. In verse 11 of Genesis 6, it says, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence and God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on the earth in their corrupt ways. So God said to Noah, I am sending, I'm going to, sorry, put you and put an end to all the people, sorry, but I'm going to save you. For the earth is filled with violence because of them and I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark. Get ready, Noah. Make it out of cypress wood, make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. Let me just stop there for a second. Again, it hit me this morning. It's not in my notes. But sometimes God gives us a vision. He gives us a glimpse of something, right? It could be for your family. It could be for your relationship. And you just get so excited about it. And he's halfway through sentence giving you the instructions. And you're already halfway down the road. All right? Oh, I've been there. And I use this example with the men this morning, and I, and I love my kids, but I do the same thing. And I'll give like, you know, Aiden or Max uh, some instructions on, on what to do, or Oliver, or any of them, except Chloe, she's perfect. She doesn't do much work around the house because she's the princess. But um, I'll give them instructions, and then halfway through my instructions, it's like, you know, the teenager thing, yeah, I know, Dad, I know, I know. And I just let them go. And halfway through, they either come wandering back, hey, uh, you do that thing you told me to do. 
And I was like, or, or they think they're done. I'm done, dad. You're in there for like two minutes. And I'll come in because people don't do what you expect. They do what you inspect. Oh, it's good for somebody right now. And I'll come in there and I'll be like, yo, you totally missed out on that. What? I said, well, I was halfway through telling you. Isn't that the same with God and us? He's like, he's got instructions for us. Like, just keep reading. Keep reading. Keep spending time with him. Like, he's not finished with you yet. You know, one of my mentors really encouraged me because, you know, I got a lot of dreams inside of me. Big plans that I believe that God wants to do. And he said to me, Matt, you know why God created eternity, right? Because it's going to take an eternity to pull out of you what he put into you. Woo! Do you believe that about God? Do you believe that he can do above and beyond all that you can hope, imagine, or dream of? Do you believe he can do it in your relationship? Yeah! <laughs> yeah, of course he can. Of course he can. But when there's covenant, there's also going to be a challenge. There's going to be a challenge. And what is it that God wants you to build in your life that will save not just your relationship, but the relationships of all those around? Think of generations to come because of the choices and decisions that you make today on how you will love one another, how you will treat one another. I said to our leadership team on Wednesday, we got in the topic of conflict, go figure. You know, and how to have healthy conversations when it comes to conflict. And some people are like the ostrich, they want to bury their head in the sand and pretend it's not there, it's not there, it's not there, right? Some are like the chicken and they like literally run the other way. <laughs> Try to avoid it, you know? I won't go through all of them. What's another one that was in our, the badger, oh, badger, <laughs> look out. The badger like looks for conflict. <laughs> Right? Or the skunk. Man, these guys are getting good stuff today. Come on, I hope, I, I hope this is good for you. And the skunk, is, the skunk is the one, like you try to address the problem or the issue, trying to deal with the issue, and you're like talking about dishes, and they're like, well, you never do the laundry. And they're just spraying back at you all kinds of other things that aren't even like what the issue is about. <laughs> anyway, can we laugh at ourselves? It's okay to laugh at ourselves. But anyway, I said, you know what, when we, when my wife and I um, do couple coaching and, and with couples that have had, whew, they've been skunking, they've been stinking up the place for a while. We said, let's just, let's just start here. Let's start here. Why don't we just treat each other like you two start treating each other like complete strangers? Let me give me that weird look that you just gave me. But, I, but, but, but would you say that to a complete stranger? Would you do that to a complete stranger? Why do we treat complete strangers better than the people that we love the most? Because we get comfortable. We get too comfortable and then, come on, it's good, eh? Anyway, so <laughs> it goes back to who will you let in? And what do you do to ensure that your boat won't sink and that you're going to be able to weather the storm? You know why? Because the greatest challenge probably for Noah wasn't the build. The greatest challenge was probably the weight. Huh? The challenge is when things take longer than what you expected. Right? Between expectation and reality lies disappointment. <laughs> See it in couples all the time. He expected this or she expected this and the reality of what happened was not what they expected. And then we've got 
You could just say conflict, <laughs> right? But what's gonna keep you going is covenant. What's gonna keep you going is that vision. Proverbs 29, 18, without vision, you perish or there's no restraint. Why are we here? My wife always says we need to always come back to the place of love and unity. Always, 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 always. The vision has got to be bigger than the battle. Otherwise, you'll never experience victory. But the wait, oh boy, the wait. And things take longer. You know God's promise for your relationship. You know what he has in store for you. But it hasn't happened yet. Jeremiah 29, 11, I heard it out there. For I know the plans and purposes I have for you, declares the Lord. Plan to prosper you, not to harm you, give you hope in a future. You know, it, it probably would have taken Noah 70 years to build that ark. It's a long time. And check this out. He was 600 years old. <laughs> yeah, you know, after that, the Lord said, that's it. Human beings, you're not going to live that long anymore. No more than 120 years. Look it up. It's in the Bible. 600-year-old <laughs> dude building a... He was probably ripped. That's all I can think of. <laughs> right? And he's waiting. He's building, imagine like that long, building this big boat. He was probably the laughing stock of the community. No rain in sight, right? It's the in-between where we truly experience the battle, the battle within. What we were promised versus what we are experiencing. But if we are to receive God's promises in our lives, we must persevere. Come on, church, say we must persevere. Come on. <laughs> I do that, just make sure you guys are awake. Thanks, thanks Darcy. Here's another but, say but. Lord says, but I, I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, you, your sons, your wife and your son's wives with you. Noah did, someone say everything, just as God commanded him. I think that's the part we get hung up on is the everything. Well, God, that's not really relevant for now. Hey, um, um, God's promises are, are true, okay? His methods still work. It's like gravity, okay? It's like giving. It's like generosity. It's like forgiveness. It's like grace. Come on. It's like love. Because you might have the gift of prophecy and be able to move mountains, but if you have not love, you are nothing more than what? <laughs> this is fun yeah noisy gong what is love love is patient it is kind it is not self-seeking it endures all things it hopes for the best looks for the best keeps no record of wrong perseveres read first corinthians 13 finally a commitment noah did everything just as the lord commanded noah was committed to that call even when it didn't look like it was going the way that God had planned. His choices would reflect his commitments towards his covenant between God and even his own family. They're working alongside him the whole time. He's got to lead him with vision the whole time. Through blood, sweat, and tears the whole time. When everybody else in the world is, everyone else, the Bible says, is doing their own thing, and chirping and chatting and celebrating and partying and he's got to 
stay aligned with God and the promises of God and believe the Lord. I'm believing there's rain coming. I want to make sure I do it right. Not just for my family's sake, but for their family and their kids, for all humankind, for the animals. <laughs> I want to do it right, Lord. Help me to keep my eyes on you. What do you do when you're building a boat with no rain in sight? You might be working on your relationship right now and it might seem a little bit dry. No rain in sight. And you're wondering, you know, even with all the, the holes that you think that are in your boat, is this thing even going to float when the rain comes? Is it going to be able to weather the storm? Now, things may seem dry, but I want to encourage you, stay committed. Stay committed to the call. The rain will come, the floods will rise, yes, but you will remain above the waters if you trust in God. And God said, this is going to be the sign, all right, you ready for it? The sign of the covenant that I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all, say all. All generations to come, I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and you on earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy life. Would you guys stand to your feet with me? God's promises are true. But if you don't know the purpose of it, you'll abuse it. The takeaway is actually a question for you. It's between you and God. Maybe your spouse. But what promises of God are you going to hold on to when you go through the conflicts? Because you will. When you go through the challenges and when you are going through the times of commitment. The truth is, going back to the garden, the truth is that when we seek autonomy from God and try to define good and evil for ourselves, it results in tragedy and it results in death. I mentioned before the two chapters and, and there's chapter 12 right in the middle that, and, and, it, and, it, and it hinges the two chapters or sort of the two sections of the book of Genesis. And it, what, what happens there is it's the hope for humanity. It's God's mission to rescue and restore the world. Because God calls this guy named Abraham. <laughs> he was known as Abram before that. And he says, I'm going to make you a blessing. And the same calling is on you and is on me. That promise that covenant and through that lineage and his descendants of Abraham we get Jesus we get Christ come on we get Jesus we get Christ you get Jesus you get Christ you get his healing power you get his Holy Spirit you get his forgiveness you get his grace you get his mercy and you get his love Hebrews 9.15 says, For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. And now that he has died as ransom to set them free for the forgiveness of sins committed 
under the first covenant. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything, everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Wow. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord, for restored relationships. We thank you, Lord, for broken hearts that are being made whole. We thank you, Lord, for the message of hope and freedom. We thank you, Lord, for your new covenant because of your blood shed for us on the cross. And we thank you, Lord, now for the ability to look forward to the future that you have with us and with each other. In your name, amen. If, if you're here today and you're struggling with forgiveness, you're struggling with grace, you're struggling with even just always looking back, that every time you look forward, you're actually looking back and you struggle with the way that you treat others because of what you've been through. No longer do you have to live that way if you let God in. If you would just for a moment in time, right here, right now, let go and let God. Let God. Let go. Paul says in Romans 10 verse 9 that if we believe in our hearts, if we believe in our hearts that God the Father raised his son from the grave and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. It takes a step of faith. Would you just believe with me? Would you let Jesus in? His grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, his love into your life so that you can give what it is that you need to give right now in your relationship with others. Just Let's just pray this prayer right now. Would you pray it with me? Just, just, just bow your heads and close your eyes. Say, dear Jesus, I know what it's like to struggle. I know what it's like to mess up. And I know what it's like to sin. Would you please forgive me? I believe. Say, I believe. I believe that you rose from the grave. And I'm asking you to be Lord over my life. I'm believing that my past is past. That you'd come into my life. That you'd lead my life. From this day forward, I'm not looking back. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Whew. Just stay in the moment. Stay in the moment. Eyes closed in the moment. I well, I ask you to just keep your eyes closed. Sometimes we get distracted from the things that are going on around us, but it's what God's doing within us right now. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, invited God into your heart, into your life, would you just, just give me a thumbs up? Everyone else, I thank you, thank you, thank you. God sees you, thank you. And, and maybe you prayed that prayer and this was, you know, you've been in a season of, of conflict. You've been in a season of, of setback, but you know, 
This is your comeback moment. And you invited God back into your heart as a fresh start today. Would you just give me a thumbs up? Say, that's me. Right on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Oh. Okay, this is what we're going to do. You might have noticed the white tables. We don't normally have white tables up front. Um, in there, there's elements to do communion. And some of you may have done communion, may never have done communion, but I'll walk you through it. It's something that Jesus told us that we are to do often in remembrance of him. And we consider it quite sacred, quite special. I won't be handing it out to you. You won't, you'll just come up at your leisure, but it's for those that have a relationship with Jesus. So if you prayed that prayer, which we just prayed right now, you have a relationship with Jesus. You are welcome to partake in communion with us. And it would be an honor to break bread with you. And the Bible's also clear that if there's anything that could be getting in the way between us and God or between our brother and sister, that we need to deal with that thing right now. And so I'm just going to ask in a moment of silence that if you got to give something to God or like David, you just got to say, search me, God. Search my heart, oh God. You know, the scripture in Psalms came to me this morning and it was, renew a right spirit within me, Lord. Renew a right spirit within me. And when I shared it with the men, I was a mess. Like it just, but you know, maybe that's what we need. We just need to do a heart check. Let God in. I mean, he's, he's a safe place. You're going to let anybody in, you let him in. Okay. But it's just in a moment, if you got to give, it might be to forgive somebody for what they've done. Remember, that's not for them. That's for you. That sets you free. But let's just take a moment right now. Let's take a moment. Let's examine our hearts. Let's take a moment. Lord, if there's anything in our hearts right now, you know, you see us and you're ultimately, you want all of it. You want the good, the bad, and the ugly, Lord. You ask for all of us to be all in. And who are we, Lord, to think that we could hide anything from you? So, Lord, if there's something that we need to lay down and ask forgiveness for, we do so right now. We ask that you give us the strength to forgive, to let go, and let you in on that. So we do that now in Jesus' name. Now, in Matthew 26, starting in verse 26, it says, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat this. This is my body. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So as we're worshiping, and the music's on, you just feel the free. Come, take it as at your leisure. If you came with someone, take it with them. I'm not going to instruct you. Okay, now take the bread, take the juice. Just, just take it when you feel works best for you in the time of worship. And as well, you know, here at College Street, we're going to do baptisms. We're going to open it up for baptism. So if, yep, yep, if anyone would like to be baptized, you are welcome to come forward and do so. We were convicted a long time ago that we need to do this often. Come on and not make it difficult for people coming to God. So I'll tell you what that's about if you've never heard. When you go in the water, it says you're baptized with Christ. You're buried with him. When you come up out of the water, it represents the resurrection power of Jesus. It says you're resurrected with Christ. So as we take communion, if that's you, just, just come talk to me. Tap on my shoulder and I'd, it would be an honor to do that with you. But let's take communion now. Let's worship God now. Let's break bread. Come on. 
Thank you for tuning in today and thank you for continuing to partner with us and for giving so generously to this ministry. If you would like to find out more about how you can partner with us, visit our website at www.wherepeoplematter.church and click the giving link. And don't forget to subscribe and share this with your friends. See you next time. Thank you.